Turn in your Bible over to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. So glad you're with us as we continue this series, God, Your Family, and You. And we are in the child raising portion of our study. This is part three in that, raising godly children in an ungodly world, okay? Now, when we began this series, one of the fundamental truths that I mentioned, the pillars on which your whole Christian life, your marriage and your home are built and your life is the truth, how you view the word of God. Do you see it, the word of God as the the standard, okay? Do you believe it with all of your heart? Do you have the mentality that the psalmist had, which by the way, people think fundamentalism is something new or in the 20s, no friend. If you are a true Bible believer, you believe the Bible, Absolutely, whether it rubs you right or rubs you wrong, you believe it. You have the mentality of the psalmist, therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. If that is really where we stand, that is where we should stand. And that is foundational to life, that is foundational to your marriage, that is foundational to your children in raising them up according to the word of God. Now. As we have already studied, there are four great principles or practices for successful parenting. And uh, these are foundational. Number one is unconditional love, which we started last week. We'll finish that one today. Number two, firm, consistent discipline. Number three, godly biblical instruction. And number four, godly parental example or being a godly example as a parent. Now, these must be done consistently, okay? They must be done consistently. It's like four legs on a table. If any leg is shorter than the other one, you have instability. That table is going to be a pain in the neck, and uh, it produces instability in a child. If all four practices, though, are being fulfilled, it brings stability into the life. Just like if all four legs on a table are the same length, it'll be a stable table. It'll be one where if you put a glass of water on there and, and you lean on the table, it won't shake or f- go flying off. No, there's stability there. And we all want a table at home that's stable, right? We want that. And we want children who are stable, children who are godly, children who are spiritually minded, okay, who are in submission to the truth of God and the word of God. Well, these principles will bring that into a child's life. We mentioned last week, number one, unconditional love. Now, what is that? Love is seeking the highest good for another person. Unconditional love means you love your children all the time. Now listen, it doesn't mean you love what they do all the time. There's a difference. It doesn't mean you approve of what they do all the time. Those are two different things. But see, love is seeking the highest good for another person. So if I am loving my children, I am loving them no matter what they do. But that doesn't mean I like what they're doing. See, love acts in the other person's best interest. That means that I will do whatever I need to do for my child. It may be corporal punishment, discipline. It may be encouragement. It may be sacrifice. It may be being an example. It may be teaching them a biblical principle. Whatever I need to do, I will do it for my child because I love my child. Love is not primarily a feeling, but an attitude and mindset that is manifested through 
action. Love is most often in Scripture a verb, not a noun. It is an action word. It is being willing to sacrifice, if need be, our very lives for another. In reality, all biblical child training is love in action. All biblical child training is love in action. If you want to see real love, look at our Lord's attitude towards us. He is our model. Now that is especially important for those of us who did not grow up in a Christian home. And many times we'll say things like, well, you know what? I had poor example growing up. I get that. But friend, look to the Father. Look at the study, the way the Lord is towards his children. He will give you the perfect picture and example of what a godly parent should be like. First John chapter 4, and here we see it. It says, in this was manifested the love of God towards us. Okay, you want to see what love looks like? Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the satisfactory payment for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Okay, here you go. Two things here that we see vital to loving our children biblically. Number one, seeing the need. God saw our need. And number two, filling the need, even if it means sacrificing whatever's most dear to you. This is what God did for us. Friends, listen, we come into the world, all of us are sinners. If this is you and me and my wallet, our sin. We are all sinners according to the Bible. Our sin separates us from God. You cannot get to heaven with even one sin. Not even one. We're all sinners according to the Bible. And with that, because we're all sinners, we are all disqualified from getting to heaven. That means this, no matter how much work you do, no matter how many promises you make, no matter how hard you try, you are still separated from God. Sin doesn't need to be covered by good works. It needs to be removed for us to get into heaven. Yet God says we're sinners, and because we have violated his word, there's a penalty that goes with that, and the scripture tells us it is death, which is separation from God for all eternity. Now, heaven's a perfect place. We're not. We're sinners. Because of that, we're disqualified. Therefore, good works will not save. God says our sin has to be paid for, and if we do it, we'll spend forever separated from God in hell. We've got a real problem on our hands. If God left it at that, there's not one person who would ever go to heaven in all of human history, except for Jesus, because he was God, no sin. God says this, I love you. I love you. I don't want you to spend forever separated from me. Therefore, I will come and provide the solution for you. And that is exactly what he did. This hand representing the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, he was sinless. When he died on the cross, he took our sin upon himself. He made the complete payment for us. He paid for every sin you've done or every sin you'll do till the day you die. He was buried and three days later came back from the dead. The Bible gives us this wonderful truth that if you will put your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ, that he did that for you, the moment you do, he saves you from hell to heaven. He gives you everlasting life. He promises he will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You've been born into his family. 
He'll never disown you. By the way, contrary to what some of the Bibles today say, if we disown him, he'll disown us. Have you read that in some of the new Bibles? That is heresy with a capital H. Yet people read it and they say, well, it's in the Bible. Well, you're not reading the right one. Listen, when you trust Christ the Savior, you are saved forever. You're God's forever child, okay? He loves you. He'll sacrifice for you. He has sacrificed for you. And he'll do all he can for you. Now, this truth about loving our children, okay? From a child's perspective, being loved is the knowledge and the feeling that they are accepted and cared about. We can say we love them, and that is incredibly important, by the way, telling your children you love them. We can say that we love them, but if they do not sense it or know it, it's not enough. It's not enough. They need to know we love them, okay? Now, I want to give you five key ways to communicate love to your children. And so far, it's all been review, and a couple of these are going to be review, and then we'll move on to the other three. The first one is this, discipline. We're going to spend a lot more time on discipline starting next week. What it is, what it is, and how to do it. Discipline. According to the Bible, love does not contradict discipline. Love demands discipline. Seeing it from a biblical perspective, discipline is not what you do to a child. Discipline is what you do for a child. More about that next week again. But look with me to Hebrews chapter 12. And you might say, well, that sounds to me like child abuse. No. See, here's the problem, friend. You don't know the word of God. All, you've, all you know is what you've heard from people who don't think right. Okay. Now, who are you going to believe? God who knows everything, who's all wise, who's all knowledgeable, who's perfect in his understanding and his communication? Are we going to believe a person like that? Or are we going to believe somebody who has grown up and maybe an abusive home and is against proper discipline? I, can, I understand that. But who are you going to believe? The one who's perfect, who sets the standard? Or are you going to believe somebody who's not perfect? who's not infinite in their understanding and wisdom. I'll go with the one who's got it all together, okay? And that's God. Hebrews 12, verse 6, it says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, there you go, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth, okay? God disciplines his children. In a sense, he gives us spiritual spankings when we need it. And why does he do it? because he's mean, because he's trying to be abusive? No, according to the Bible, did you notice it in that verse? For whom the Lord, what's the next word? Loveth. Remember, love acts in the other person's best interest. You think God takes pleasure in that? He doesn't take pleasure in it, but he does it because we need it. He does it because he loves us. All right, and that's the same way it should be with a parent. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, it says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Betimes means early. And I believe it could be either early in the offense, in other words, you don't wait for them to hurt another person twice, you deal with them after the first time. All right early in the offense. It could be that, or it could be early in life. In other words, you don't wait till they're 11, 12 years old before you start disciplining them. Guess what? You missed the bus. It came and went, and you missed it. Start early. You might say, how early do you start? I'll give you my opinion on that. 
You start as early as they can understand what no means. What no means. That's what we looked for with our girls. Once they understand no. So they're crawling around and they go to grab something. No, don't touch. And this is the way it happened with us, at least with one of them. They stop. They look at you. It's time. It's time. They get it. Start up. They're, oh, no, no, no. They're not really sinners until they're eight or nine years old. You missed the bus. You missed the bus. Let me tell you something. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Let me tell you this is a preview for next week. Listen, friend, you're, <laughs> those of you who have these beautiful babies, Pastor Dave and Laura, okay? Aubrey, such a beautiful little girl, such a beautiful little sinner. Pastor, she's your grandchild. Yeah, she's a sinner. She's a sinner, okay? Now listen, you know, you, you take care of them properly and all that. The Bible says she was conceived a sinner. Conceived. Now, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things she may not know that she's doing. But of course, you know, children always know more than you think they do. It's one of their skills, by the way. <laughs> Proverbs 29, verse 15, it says, The rod and reproof. So you just don't spank them, but you also reprove and rebuke them. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Boy, is that true, and boy, does that work out in history. You see it very clearly. So there's the issue of discipline. We're not going to spend a lot of time on that, though. Let's move on. Secondly, physical contact. Physical contact and affection. Give your children affection. Now I know people say, well, that's not the way I was raised. It doesn't matter. This is what the Bible teaches. Okay. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about something perverse or twisted. I am talking about proper, godly, good touch, if you want a term for that. Okay. Give your children affection, hugs and kisses. Okay. When we do that with our children, it communicates love to them. A sincere hug communicates acceptance and security to a child. Children need touch. Uh, again, I'm looking, I'm thinking back, back when we lived in, in St. Joe and uh, here in central Minnesota, and I'm thinking back, and I can remember once one of our girls, and again, I don't think Laura was in the picture yet, is Michelle or Kim, and I can remember one of them coming in and it was the most bizarre thing. We're inside the house, and they asked, they asked this question, will you spank me? You might say, are you crazy? Will you spank me? Okay. What are they really asking for? They need to be connected emotionally. They need to be connected with us. They wanted touch. Okay. They wanted touch. She said, I, I need to be spanked. Well, it wasn't, you know, she did some terrible, she was just saying, you know, I'm feeling like I need to be touched by you. Now, those weren't the terms that she was using, but that is what she was saying. Parents, they may not be able to communicate it in the exact right words, but be listening. More about that in just a minute, by the way. Physical contact. Look with me to Mark chapter 10. I said, well, I don't know about this. This sounds kind of kinky and weird to me. Again, we're not talking about perversion here. We are against perversion of any kind. We are against abuse 
of any kind. Why? God's against it, that's why. By the way, God says if you mistreat children, you better watch out because there's very strong punishment for those who do children wrong. Very strong punishment. Mark chapter 10 and verse 13, it says, and they brought young children to him, Jesus. Why? That he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. They meant well, but they were wrong in what they were doing. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer or allow the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, by the way, that's talking about simple faith, he shall not enter therein. Now look at verse 16, here you go. And he took them up in his arms and put his hands upon them and blessed them them. What did they need? They needed the touch of the master, for lack of a better term. They needed affection is what they needed. And Jesus gave it to them. Now, if I'm going to be Christ-like as a parent, I need to do that as well with my children. When you show affection to your children, it confirms your love for them and gives them a sense of security and confidence. Security and confidence. Number three, all of these are ways to love your children. Focused attention. This is where we pick up from last week. Focused attention. This includes, by the way, listen carefully, folks. This includes eye contact. Eye contact. It tells them that they are important to you. When you focus, when they need your attention and you focus on them and you look them in the eye, it tells them, it communicates to them that they are important. Now, I'm not talking about some building up some sort of inflated ego in children who think the, the whole world revolves around them. We're not talking about that. So let me just say that on the front end, but it's very important. Eye contact. It tells them that they are accepted by you when you look at them and you deal with them eyeball to eyeball. The holding back of this is how some people, by the way, punish others. Have you ever noticed that? Some people reject other people and they'll never, when they talk to them, they'll never look them in the eye. It communicates rejection. If they are small, little people, get down on their level and talk to them and listen to them, listen to them, okay? Now listen, if you're a big guy, you know, six foot five or above, or for that matter, six foot with a little child, you're like Goliath. Just get down there, okay? If, if you know, you can look at them like this and give them a kink in their neck, but um, you can look at them like that, or how much better, if you can't get down on your knees, how much better just to get down like this and talk to them? Eyeball face to face, eyeball to eyeball. Okay, we do that today. <laughs> That's how we ought to be with our children. It's a good thing. James chapter 1, look at it with me. Focused attention. Focused attention. Now, you know, unfortunately, in some families, the only time children get focused attention is when they do something wrong. James 1 verse 19, it says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, which is anger. Some children, by the way, misbehave simply to get attention. They have found that it's the only way to get someone to listen to them because no one else will listen to them. So they misbehave so that somebody pays attention to them. By the way, you can be in the same room with the child and not listen to them. 
when they're talking to you. Now, folks, listen, we're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of it from time to time. I'm just bringing it up to where we can be better parents. Very, very important. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13, these great principles. Now, I'm applying this. It's not talking specifically about children, but I'm applying this to this issue of focused attention. I just can't say it enough. It makes a child feel important to you when you give them focused attention. Proverbs 18, 13, it says, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and a shame unto him. Now, why do I use that? Because we do that as parents. They'll start talking, uh, mom, uh, I, I, come on, come on, come on, say it, come on. I got things to do. I, uh, uh, you know, focus, let them talk, stop what you're doing, listen to the need that's there, okay? Don't cut them off. Answer them according to what they're saying. That's going to take some time. It's going to take some discipline, okay? They need to have your undivided attention. Have you ever tried, here you go again, have you ever tried talking to someone who keeps looking away from you? Boy, that's convicting, isn't it? We're in a hurry. We're in a hurry. Now listen, Moms are, are in a hurry a lot of the time, and dads are in a hurry a lot of the time. I'm just saying, folks, this issue of focused attention. If your child's talking to you, don't look away. I say, yeah, but I just got a text. If you need to, throw the thing away. Your child's more important. This is important in both positive and negative situations. Now, listen, let me, let me balance this. This doesn't mean that it's okay for them to interrupt you whenever they want to, while you're talking to somebody else, especially. Teach your children to wait. That's what they need to do. They need to learn to wait. Teach them to wait. But when you do give them attention, make sure it is undivided attention. We owe that to every person we deal with, including our children. Let's not treat our children worse than we treat strangers. Let's treat them all good, right? And by the way, this issue of focused attention, this also includes spending time with each one of your children, one-on-one, -on -one, okay? You've got to be able to break it up, a time, one-on-one -on -one with your children. Oh, we don't have time for that. You better make time for that. See, really, here's the truth of it. We have time for what's important to us. That's the truth of it. Do something they want to do. Have fun with your children. Have fun with them. You know, Bible-believing people, sometimes they have a hard time with that because they, they're so... Get rigid with this. Don't now. You'll lose your children. Take the time. One-on-one. -on -one. Focused attention. Affection. Okay? Listen to what they're saying. I said, well, man, I'm going to have to sacrifice my time to do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now you're getting it. Okay? Let me give you another one. Praise them for character above performance. Praise them for character above performance. The Lord is more concerned about our character than he is about our performance. Did you know that? See, there are a lot of Christians who know all the right things to do, and some of them are actually doing all these right things, but they've got hearts of rebellion. They're not right with God on the inside. Their actions are good, but they're not right with God on the inside. They're compliant, but they're not from the heart submissive and obedient. It's not a spiritual person. That's a carnal person. They're just religious. 
praise them for character above performance. Is that not what God does for us? Oh, listen, he will give us reward for performance one day if it was done with the right attitude at the judgment seat of Christ. But right now, what is he looking at? He wants us to have right character. Your performance will take care of itself if your character is right. By the way, it's the same with the children. Years ago, I can remember uh, talking to Dr. Scudder. I know we prayed for him this morning. Years ago, I remember him telling me he, he went, to, went to a big tournament for their kids in their Christian school, Quentin Road Christian School. And he was telling me the story. The teams were playing there, and, and I think, I, I don't know for sure if the kids from Quentin Road lost that game, but there was some situation where he was talking to another pastor, if I'm recalling this correctly, I believe I am. And uh, Pastor Scudder, Dr. Scudder was saying to this person, he says, well, you know, kids know how to win. He says, one of the things we teach our kids is how to lose. And a guy, what? You should never talk about losing. You should only talk about winning and all this kind of stuff. No, Dr. Scudder's right. You need to learn how to lose. Let me tell you something, folks. Your child is not always going to win. Don't give them the impression they are always going to win. And when things do go south for them and they do fail or they do lose, do they know how to handle it? Need to teach them. Praise God that he has the wisdom to know to put that into their students. It is very important. Now, I'm not saying love losing, (laughs) but what I'm saying is when you do lose, do you know how to handle it? Some people don't. That's poor parenting. They don't know how to handle it, okay? Praise them for character above performance. Things like this. Honey, I was really pleased to see you share your toys with little Johnny Monster when he came over today. (laughs) Or, it was a blessing to us that you are cleaning up your room without being told. What an encouragement to mom and dad. Praising them for good character. Praising them for it. But the opposite is not healthy either, okay? Some people say, well, I would never, yes, I believe in that praising because I would never tell my child no. Boy, are you making a mistake. They're going to be told no a lot when they get older, okay? You need to learn how to say no to your children. Or I never say that you're wrong to my child. I never say that. They're so fragile. It'll damage. They need to be told they're wrong. They need to be told, no, you will not do that. You can't do that. Or what you did was wrong. Folks, nothing wrong with that. Just do it in the right way. Speak the truth in love. Your children need to learn reality in life. Not everybody's going to see them as the greatest gift that ever walked the face of the earth. By the way, we've got a whole generation of young people, young adults that are that way today. What a mess. This issue of praise is so important. See, the Lord is our example, again, in dealing with his children. He not only disciplines us when necessary, but he blesses us abundantly and often. Guess what? You need to be blessing your children abundantly and often. You need to be positive with them, encouraging them. Again, praising them for good things that they do in the sense of character. 
Now, again, I'm not against winning. Listen, I'm a, I'm a former athlete, both feet, okay? <laughs> Some of you got that. I love winning, but you better learn how to lose, okay? Let me ask you a question. The last time I, I, I taught on this issue that we're this study we're doing, this came to my mind, and it was, it was so important to me. It's important that I share it with you. Would any of us today as believers be living for Christ if we never saw any blessings come from God, only chastening? No, we would not. You would have quit a long time ago. Do you know what, though? That's a mistake some Christian parents are making. The only time your children hear from you is when they do something wrong. They don't hear from you when they're doing what's right. Praise them. Look for ways to build them up in a positive, proper, godly way. Okay? I'm not talking about the inflating of their egos. That's a mistake. That's pride. What I am talking about, though, recognizing good character and telling them so. You know what that does? It just motivates them to do more of that. It's a good thing. It's a right thing. Isn't that what God does with us as his children? It is what he does with us. See, I would have quit serving the Lord long ago if the only time I saw God work in my life is when I did something wrong. No, I have seen so much of the blessing of God. I want to serve the Lord. I want to live my life for him. Not because I have to, I want to. Why? Because he's so good. He's so gracious. He's so loving. He's such a blessing in my life. He's the greatest blessing in my life. Children should be able to say that about their parents. You're such a, now they may not do it when they're little. Okay. But when they become adults, they should look back and say, you know what? You're such a blessing in my life. Such a blessing. Not to embarrass her, but this morning, I'm driving to church, and, and our oldest daughter, Michelle, you know, busy. She's a pastor's wife. They got a busy day ahead of them. And this morning, I'm driving, she sent a text, and she said, I love you both so much, and I'm praying for you today. Okay? And there's a heart emoticon there next to that. Listen, folks, what does that do to mom and dad? Gets us pumped up is what it does. Gets us excited. And of course, I waited till I got to church and then I sent her a text back. So important. So important. Praising them is a type of blessing. Exhort one another daily, the Bible says. Look at Hebrews chapter 13. Exhort one another daily. Hebrews 13, 13. But exhort one another daily. Encourage, okay? Comfort one another daily while it is called today. In other words, don't wait. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Wait a minute. Are you, pastor, are you saying that if I encourage my children and I bless them and I, and I encourage them with words of affirmation and all that, are you saying that that could keep them from getting hardened? Yes, that is what I'm saying. Folks, to keep them soft inside keeps them pliable to God's working in their lives. If they become hardened to us, there's a good chance they're going to become hardened to God. Oh, how many of us want that on our hands? I don't think so. Mrs. Janice Smith in the uh, magazine Christian Reader wrote this. She says, for weeks, my son Bill and his wife Kathy 
were gathering and pricing things for a yard sale. Their youngest daughter, Meadow Dawn, was fascinated by the whole process. On the day of the sale, Meadow wandered around, then headed back to her mother. Mommy, everything has a price tag. I want a price tag too. Well, even though Kathy explained to Meadow that she wasn't for sale, the three-year-old persisted. Thinking quickly, Kathy made another tag. It said on it, priceless. And she put it on her daughter's dress. What a wonderful response, okay? How much better than what some parents are putting on their children through their actions, putting something on them that says worthless. You'll never amount to anything. All you do is disappoint me, okay? Not good. Lastly, on how to love, tell them often that you love them no matter what. Tell them often that you love them no matter what. We see the quality of unconditional love in the father of the prodigal son. But be sure to tell your children verbally that you love them. This is so incredibly important. Look at it with me. Luke chapter 15. Tell them often that you love them no matter what. And as you're turning to Luke chapter 15, let me tell you something from my life. Now, I've already mentioned in this series how much I loved my parents. They're good parents. They were religious people. I don't think they were saved until later in life. But they did get saved, and they're with the Lord today. So it wasn't a Bible-centered home. They didn't come up in a Bible-believing church where they learned the Word of God. They were moral, biblically moral. And, and by the way, I think that played into my salvation when I did get saved because they taught, my mom taught us, that the Bible was the Word of God. But something happened in my life that was significant. When my mom passed away and we went down for the funeral, it wasn't until after the funeral that I can remember my dad telling me that he loved me. I was, what, probably well over 30 years old at that point, maybe 40, I, don't, I can't remember. I don't remember it. I don't remember. He may have said it sometime. I'm not condemning him, okay? Again, how was he raised, right? I mean, that's usually the, the, the way we do things. It's the way we were raised. And again, I'm not saying that's right either. But here's the point. That meant so much to hear him say that. It meant so much to me. Parents, listen, your children should be growing up with those words all the time. No matter what they do, tell them. And again, focus the tension, how much more it means, right? Look at them, look at them in the face. Those little ones, okay, take them by the face and look at them and say, I just love you so much. How important that is to a child. Luke 15, verse 17. We know the prodigal, you know the story, went away, blew his inheritance, messed up his life. His life was a disaster. He was about as low as you could possibly go, it says in verse 17. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I'm starving to death. And there are people who aren't even related to Father who are better off than I am working for him. 
I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Dad, I, I blew it. If you just let me come back, I'll just even be a servant. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him. Now, do you see what's happening here? He didn't phone ahead. He didn't send a text, I'm coming home. All this time, dad was waiting outside looking for his son. Unconditional love. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. This is an adult son, by the way. What do you see? Dad is giving him a hug and dad is kissing his adult son who has been in rebellion. And the son said unto his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. This is a picture of our Heavenly Father. This is also a model for those of us who are parents. See, this son who had been rebellious saw the error of his ways. He came to himself. He had a change of mind. That's what repentance is, is a change of mind. It's what he had. And he came back and dad took them. If we want our children, folks, to love the Lord and serve him, we must model the character of God to them. More about that in the future, especially when they are little. Listen to me. Those of you who have children, smaller children, elementary age children, they see you as God in their life. That's how they see you. Now I know you. Well, don't, don't think of me as God. You know, you know, there's only one God. I'm not. You know, I understand. But that's how they see you. Their idea of how God is is being formed by the way you treat them and you deal with them. Giving a child true unconditional love, which includes discipline, affection, focused attention, encouragement, and praise will give them little reason to rebel but it's balance. And it's all of these things. Let's close over in John chapter three. Parents, listen, invest the time in your children that you need to, okay? When you're with them, do what you need to do. Take the time, okay? Make the time. You'll have rich dividends. The Bible says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you would be here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, God loves you. He loves you so much. He actually sacrificed the life of his son to die on a cross and pay for your sins. And if you'll trust in Jesus Christ that he did that for you, he will give you everlasting life as a free gift as a free gift. Once you have it, it's everlasting. It lasts forever. He'll give it to you. That's how much he loves you. It's a gift. Would you trust in Christ today? 
Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.